Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you all. Um, sometimes when the rain falls, people stay at home, but it's great that you've come to church and um, fellowshipping with us. Thank you for that worship, Mikey. Um, if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out. Amen. And uh, that, that statement challenges me. And um, uh, Sunday morning, I can be a little bit foggy sometimes, but just to feel the energy, Mikey, from the band and uh, air in your voice just energizes us. Amen. Uh, we're looking at Mark chapter 13, guys. It's, uh, if you turn there in your Bibles, no doubt it'll come up. But um, so it's, you know, one of the things that we need to do is to go through the scriptures. Otherwise, churches or pastors tend to preach their favorite thing and they never get to texts that they would otherwise get to unless they went through a series. There's some churches that only preach through the Bible. There are other churches that are always thematic or they take a subject or they take um, just something that they're very precious about like the prophetic or mission or whatever it is. So as we go through Mark 13, which is a pretty weighty text, okay, a lot of guys will skip Mark 13. You want to get to Mark 14, where the lady pours out her perfume. You know, that's like, we can preach that. This is a text that even Tim Keller leaves out in his book on Mark, and I thought, that's naughty. Um, so, um, but, but this morning, before we get into the text, I just want to say this, that God knows you. He knows where you are. He knows the stuff you're going through. Um, you might say, like, really? Are you, is this, what has it got to do with life today? I would say everything, but I would also say that the Lord is interested in your life, okay? He's, he knows exactly where you are. You may be on top of the world, or you may be at the sort of down dumps, but um, God knows that. And God, Jesus himself, by his spirit, I trust will minister to you. You may have some deep things. Some of us older guys, as you go past your 50s into your 60s, you realize there's some stuff you may have carried that you've ignored that you need help with. It could be depression. It could be insecurity. It could be faith struggles. He knows where you are. Amen. And Jesus is not a guy with a baseball bat. Sometimes leaders can be. Uh, you're, you might have been brought up with very severe parents or went to school or army or university, and you're expecting that you're to be addressed or admonished. Jesus is a loving, caring beautiful Savior, amen, who carries us. That's just my intro. So um, let's go to Mark 13. It's called the, the Olivet Discourse. It's on the Mount of Olives, and uh, he speaks what would be signs of the end of the age, okay? It says last time he will be um, at the temple. He's now left, and he's looking back. It's um, it's one of Jesus' most radical predictions will be made in this text. I'm just setting a stage for you. Um, he says that this, this temple is going to be destroyed. And I'm thinking like, it's a very radical prophetic word, okay? Um, our challenge is to grasp this passage in totality. Now, this is an end times or apocalyptic or a tribulation or passage where like the end times and how it's going to end. And so... Uh, one of the things is that if you take bits out of this, you're going to probably get it wrong. You need to take the totality of, the, of Mark chapter 13, and every generation should read this. Now, if you were in the days of Jesus, you would have heard it, and you'd think, okay, he said this. It's now 2,000 years later. Like, how, do, how does this text fit into our present world? And um, 
One of the things we need is as we read this text, which I've done, I don't know how many times, just to get it into my spirit, it's amazing how you can read something and a year later, a week later, a day later, God might impress something upon you. We need Ephesians 4 ministry teachers, not just prophets, not just evangelists, but we need teachers to teach this text because it's a text that requires a fair amount of biblical acumen or a fair amount of history, okay? But even some of the teachers that I've sat under in my last 45 years of working with God have even got this text wrong because they try to predict things that I don't think are in the text. Okay? It's an end times text. It's about, you know, people talk about Armageddon, they talk about the Great Tribulation, they talk about the rapture, they talk about pre, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, they talk about, um, it's a great eschatological text, okay? <laughs> Phew. Why do we need teachers to teach this? Because normally we get this, this passage we've normally got wrong. The history of the church, we've, we've kind of got this wrong, okay? Because we make predictions and we think we have a final word on this text, but it seems to slip through our fingers, okay? And uh, one of the things is that we love to, we, we love to say, I know what the, the Lord has said this to me. And I mean, I got saved under that stuff. Where guys, every Sunday were saying, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord told me this. And most of those things were more words of intimacy and love and care rather than words of what's going to happen in 1989, I remember. What's going to happen by the change of the century? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his authority but wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So let's go to Mark chapter 13, verse 1. That's just an intro. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what magnificent stones, what a magnificent buildings, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. I don't know if you can see, can you picture, do you know what the temple looks like? Do you know that... Uh, just, just put a picture up of the temple if you, if you can. This temple, this is um, Herod's temple, was, uh, was fixed by Zerubbabel, and um, this is the temple. This is a significant edifice, okay? Uh, just go to another one. It's about um, 36 acres in the, the totality of it. Um, it's about, I don't know, 80 rugby fields. It's um, 500 meters. Just go to the next one. It's about 500 meters by um, long half a kilometer long, by about thirty, um, th- yeah, by, by three hundred meters. Some of the walls are six stories high. Most of those stones are white, um, and and the the stones in the temple were laced with gold, so that when the sun shone on that um, edifice, that whole temple structure with the Gentile outer courts and all the colonnades and. Um, you know, all the, all the construction, it would literally, when the sun shone on it, it would glow like the sun. That thing was quite a magnificent, don't worry about St. Petersburg or what's St. Peter's in Rome. This temple was out of this world. There's a carpenter with sandals on. who rode on a donkey that's now sitting outside and he's saying that not one stone of this building, that this temple is going to be uh, on top of each other. It's quite a prediction. For us, I often think Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives with the Olivet Discourse and just, there's this little temple. It's not Zerubbabel's temple. It's, 
It's Solomon's temple. Zerubbabel reconstructed it in 500 BC, but this is now a vastly improved, magnificent possession of Jerusalem, of the Jews, with its Holy of Holies, with the Ark of the Covenant, with the veils, with the curtain that was there. It was the show of peace of Israel. Jesus says become a den of thieves and this whole thing's going to go over. So for us it's like we know the story. For them it's like what are you saying? How can this house of God, this temple, um, be desecrated or destroyed? It was a fruitless fig tree for Jesus. He had just cursed the fig tree. It would be completely destroyed by the Romans. In AD 70, the Roman general Titus came in. He attacked the city, Jerusalem. I think it took about a year or different histories on that. They destroyed the city and they destroyed the temple. About 600,000 to a million Jews were killed with the besiege of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. About up to 500, the numbers vary, may have been taken captive. So guys, it was a huge issue that happened 70 years after the death of Christ, 70 AD. Verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, the four he called right at the beginning, asked him privately, tell us two questions. When will this happen, Jesus? We want to know when. And the second question, which is what he's answering, because sometimes we divert from the questions, what will be the sign that they're about to be fulfilled? When it's going to happen? And what will be the, the, the signs that tell us it's about to happen? That's kind of the question. Jesus said to them, watch out. Jesus' answer is, this is his answer. Okay, when and what are the signs? And he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Now that's a thing that you can take for yourself, amen? So now there's this apocalyptic moment. There's like this drama Jesus is talking about. We just want to live happy lives. We just want to go to church. But he's saying this temple is going to get smashed on one stone. The stones were up to 60 meters long, okay, and three meters or two and a half meters high. They were stones that were built. This temple was to say that these stones will be thrown over. It's like, are you serious, Jesus? You see, we want to know the future. The disciples are saying, when and what are the signs? We want to know what's going to happen to the rand. What country, many people are saying, should we move to? We want to predict the future. Humans love to know what's going to happen. Amen? Who am I going to marry? What's going to happen? Like, I used to think, what am I going to be like when I'm 60? Well, I'm here now already. My word. Jesus' answer, watch out. It's an area where deception runs wild. It's an apocalyptic event. The moment there's apocalyptic events, people begin to predict. And Christians are guilty of trying to read the times, and they want signs. In this particular chapter of Mark 13, about five times he says, watch out, be on your guard, take heed. He doesn't give them dates. You see, remember the Jews said, show us a sign. Even the disciples saying, what are the signs? We love signs. And what Jesus is saying, be on your guard, watch out, take heed. Verse 6, many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. So underline the word many. Many will come in my name claiming I am he. 
and will deceive many. Have you ever met a deceived Christian? Coronavirus swept through the world and many Christians lost their bearings. Many Christians went off at a tangent. Many Christians were saying things, I think, where did you get that from, bro? During the time of COVID or during the time of anything apocalyptic or we should be saying his name is Jesus, amen? We should be focusing on the one because everything is shifting. And um, he says many will be deceived. The moment there are these rumblings and these things that are happening, sort of messianic imposters begin to arise. They begin to seize the moment. People who think, they don't even know some of them, but they're using the church or the scriptures to begin to deceive people. What about the present, the sexual revolution that's happening in the world? Where God said, I made you man and I made you woman. That God, the creator, the one who designs us, the artist, he says that's, but they're saying, no, well, we're gonna, we're gonna, re- we're gonna adjust that. We're gonna go the way we want to go. It'll only end in tears. It may take 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but, but their nations can be destroyed. Our, our morality can see nations established or destroyed, our biblical morality. So here comes Jesus is beginning to warn them. The deception, there's, there's going to be tribulation. He begins to prepare his disciples for difficult time. Now listen, I love edifying messages. I mean, I want to be told that my business is going to go well, or I'm a pastor, the church is going to go well, fine is going to go well, my kids are going to get married, have lots of babies, like thousands of them, and, or grandkids, and it's just going to be, fa- just, we want good news, amen? But Jesus keeps on preparing his disciple for what's coming. And... Um, the tribulation. Many Christians are looking for a rapture, and many very learned Christians believe in a rapture where you're taken away, you're taken out of. Some people believe there'll be a rapture before the tribulation, sometimes or after the tribulation. But things are beginning to brew for Jesus, and, he's, and, he's, and he warns them. He said, Jesus is saying, I want you to be suspicious of all things, I want, you to, I want you to be discerning. I want you to be thinking. I don't want you to be gullible. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, verse 7, because he's, he's packing so much together here, and I can't this morning unpack it all for you, but he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, gee, we're going through one now. There's this lady who I believe I saw this morning, she's just documenting everything on her phone. They say she's got, she's, she's just, she's fearless. She's in Ukraine, and she's got a phone, and she's a writer, and she's just documenting everything that's happening. I was wondering if she's going to be taken out by a bomb or something. But when, anyway, when you hear the wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. What? But the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Such things must happen. It's almost as if God permits them or he, Jesus is saying, they must happen. I'm thinking, Lord, like, ah, why must they happen? Why can't we have peace? Why can't these... World leaders humble themselves. These things must happen. Isn't that quite a scary thought? We see human rebellion. We see sin. We see brutal regimes, events. And the the idea that Jesus is saying is you need redemption. 
We need new life. You need to be saved. You need a new God rule in your life, sir. Nation, government, family, school. And so he says, no, these things must happen. It's like until we see what's in us. Can, can you just show pictures of, of Syria, please? Just some, so, so this happened, when did this happen? What year did uh, Aleppo happen? Just keep going. This, this is, this is how, when did this happen? Anybody? Did this happen? No, I think. No, no, this happened recently. This is, keep going, just have a look at, at, at some of the, this could be your, our city. Keep going. This is wars and rumors of wars. Keep going, next one. Um, repeat. <laughs> Don't you have any more? Pete, there are some more. I just, just wanted to show us that, guys, that actually we need Jesus. How can people do this to cities? How can people hurt each other to the city? How can people destroy one another? Sorry, while, while Pete's fiddling there, there was some other. Just to show you the extent that I believe that we need God. These things must happen. The end is yet to come. Often if you were living in, in Syria, which is next door to Israel, by the way, which is a big place, you would think, well, the end has come. Some people in the Ukraine are thinking, in um, Mariupol, think the end has come. But he says, the end is yet to come. There will be an extended period of time that will precede the end. There will be wars and rumors of wars. These are birth pains. What are birth pains? Birth pains are what a woman experiences before the child comes. I think they're called Braxton Hicks. <gasps> so when she has her birth pain, when do birth pains start, Abs? <laughs> you didn't have any, eh? You were like, sometimes they can be well in advance. Birth pains doesn't mean you rush to the hospital and have your baby. They think, oh, like, that you begin to experience something. They are like birth pains, what is yet to come. And he says, these are the beginning of sorrows, but it's not actually the final event. Man, we thought, they thought Jesus was going to come back in, in, when the temple was taken out. Or then certainly with the persecution of the Romans. Never came. It's now 2,000 years later, still waiting for it to come. The intensity is building. But then, at some stage, there, needs, there is no mistaking that this lady says, husband, get me into the car. This baby is coming. Okay? And so we know that there's, there's the, the, these pains. And we think, ah, oh, Lord, but they're not time yet. But you'll know when the time is. There's no mistaking. You must be, verse 9, on your guard. Be on your guard. I'm a Christian since I got saved. When I got saved in the late 70s, I experienced the power of the gospel. I experienced demon people being freed from demons, screaming. I saw things that were unbelievable. I saw people get healed. I, was, I experienced something of a revival of the late 70s. But I also experienced some pretty weird stuff. I also experienced, I remember some fancy guy coming from America, and I overheard a conversation. Unless you pay me 5,000 rand, I won't preach. And my world collapsed. I thought, what, is, what did he say? Unless I stay at the Maharani Hotel, I'm not going to be preaching. And I thought, and in a moment, I saw the wonder of the gospel, but the tragedy of our humanity. 
And I felt as a young man said, son, I'm preparing you to walk with me all the days of your life and you will see the wonder of the gospel and I will save you, but you will also see stuff that you'll think, what on earth was that? That's why when people say, did you hear about pastor so-and-so, about evangelist so-and-so? I'm saying, for the last 2,000 years, people have been stumbling and falling. We don't preach man, we preach Christ, amen? Have you heard that this, you know, the pastor did this and he ran off with the money and this guy, so what? That can never take Jesus, put him back in the tomb, back onto the cross and back into Jerusalem. No, he's ascended. He lives to intercede for us, amen? And so, but be on your guard. Don't be deceived. It's just beginning. Satan wants to distract us from Jesus. He wants to distract us from the mission, distract you from home group. Distract us from this and distract us from that. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged. If you got flogged, you normally got 39 of them. When I was at Durban High School, I used to get two. Once I got four, you would get 39 without a shirt on. To be flogged. Thanks, Jesus. That's good news. In the synagogues, Nochal, maybe in the temple, on accounts of me. You'll be flogged. Jesus never hid anything. He says, on account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. So in other words, they're going to flog you, they're going to arrest you, and then I want you to stand before them, but you're going to just listen, listen. You're going to stand as witnesses to them. You're going to become a witness. This is a missional field. When they arrest you, you will begin to be a witness. And the gospel must first be preached in all the nations. And people have often taken that out of context. What he's saying is, when you go to Rome and when you go out, you're going to get flogged. You're going to get arrested. Some of you will be persecuted. But preach the gospel. Because this gospel, when they arrest you and the judge and the king and the governors and the Sanhedrin say this, you say, no, his name is Jesus. And he was sent and he was born of a virgin. Isaiah 53 spoke about a suffering servant. And actually that servant appeared to me. His name is Jesus. Um, he died for my sins. He was the spotless lamb of God. They hung him on a cross. His cousin, John the Baptist, said, behold the lamb of God. And they crucified him and they stuck him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. He appeared to more than 500 people. His name is Jesus and he saves. And the kings and the judges and the um, prosecutors are standing there and you're witnessing to Jesus. And the judge goes home and perhaps the Holy Spirit moves upon the heart of the judge or the judge's Wife, like happened to Herod, no, not um, Pilate's wife. Ah, I can't sleep at night. You'll be my witnesses. Don't stop witnessing. This gospel must go. And I will give you an audience with a king or a judge or a prince or an imposter. And that's what that means. This gospel must be preached in all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. My word. How cool is that? Just say whatever given you. What am I going to say, Lord? They're going to probably, they could kill me. They could kill my wife. We both proclaimed your name. We said, Jesus, now we've been arrested. Just say what's given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. We want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want you to be full of the Holy Spirit for all sorts of, at times, weird and wonderful reasons. The reason that you're full of the Holy Spirit is that you can be a witness, amen? I know the laughing phenomenon hit this South Africa and it hit the world and these unusual manifestations. The question I have is, if the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, is are you a witness? Can I speak about Jesus, amen? Can somebody say amen to me? 
that you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child. Well, that happens in the Islamic faith now. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. These are the words of Jesus. All men will hate you. There it is again. He says it a second time. Because of me. And then this amazing statement, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what was wars, earthquakes, famines, false Christs? Now it gets personal. Now it's floggings, arrests, trials for your belief. Brothers, children, mothers, fathers. Suddenly what was out there, suddenly it's affecting my home. It's affecting my family. It's affecting my mom and dad. It's affecting my kids. That actually there's discord in the family because we've proclaimed the name. Jesus What are the signs and the times? And he's giving this Olivet Discourse. When Nero persecuted the church in Rome, this is what he said. Um, Christians were a class hated for their abominations. Nero said, they're a class, Christians are a class hated for their abominations. What are the abominations? The abominations, he said, was because they said Jesus the Son of God was killed for the sins of the world. They said, that's an abomination. That, 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 is, that is insane. Kill them because of their abominable beliefs. Just so that you know, guys, our history. Do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to serve Jesus? Have a look at Mark 13. It'll put steel in you, amen? And when somebody says to you, oh, you're a terrible person, think, okay, well, I don't think I am, but Maybe people may hate you. Maybe even some person may say to you, you're no longer invited into our circle of friends because of your belief on sexual ethics. Or you, you've said, no, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Yes, Jesus is the only way to the Father. You will not see the Father except through Jesus. You've you got no chance of seeing the Father except you come through Christ. Now, that could offend some of you thinking, oh, Nick, you're spoiling Sunday. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only one that was ever said of any man that he was sent down from heaven, that he died for the sins of the world, that he was put into a tomb, dead. The soldier said, surely the Son of God, raised again, ascended before them, soon to be coming back. Show me one that's equivalent to that, and I'll listen to you, but I don't think there is. Persecution leads to proclamation. Isn't that interesting? Persecution leads to proclamation. When the church is happy and rich and full and buzzing with cappuccinos and cool, everyone high fives, actually it's in a dangerous place. But the most effective church is the church that's under persecution and trial. Do I hear an amen? Samuel, give me an amen, brother. One day you'll be up here preaching, Samuel. Is that daddy's wallet you're eating? It's not mine. Tertullian said this, he was in 155 AD, we multiply whenever we are mowed down by you. (laughs) He said to the Romans, mow us down if you want. Slaughter us, but we will multiply. That's what he said, isn't that amazing? Are you still there? Okay, verse 14, seatbelts on. And when you see the abomination that causes desolation, oh my word, what is that? (laughs) The abomination of desolation. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, something abominable will cause something to be desolate. 
When you see abominable things, there will be desolation. When we do abominable things, there can be desolation that comes. That's what Jesus is saying. Standing where it does not belong. Let the reader understand. Then those who are in, the, in Judea, let them flee to the mountains. Now most commentators say this is referring to the siege of Jerusalem. But it would, be, it would happen again through the history of the church. So when there's this abomination that causes desolation, where things become desolate, like, like Syria. Let the reader understand. Those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and enter his house or take anything out. In other words, this is a calamitous moment. Let no one go into the field. Let no one in the field go back and get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter. So Jesus is saying there's going to be, a, 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 there's going to be like abominable things happening that's going to cause desolation. Huge subject. I don't have time to go on it, but it's almost like when actually trouble comes, when people do things in the temple or do things in the name of God, that's going to cause a desolation to come. There's two realities to the statement. There are, there's near tribulations and desolations and abomin abominations, and there's ones that are far, far off, end time, tribulation. They were going to be happening in the day of Jesus all the way through the Roman Empire. They'll be happening at the end of the first century. This century has been a bit quieter. It hasn't been as calamitous. But he's saying prepare for the, those that are near and those that are far. So I need to know, and you need to know, brothers and sisters, that if you're living in Syria, or if you're living right now in um, Ukraine, and your family got blown up, and your house got blown up, and your bank account with all your investments, and your flats that you owned, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, and your business that you had has just been blown up, gone. Generations of, of, of wealth created, or family businesses, or farmers, it could have just, and you think, oh my word, oh my word, what's happening? Okay, are you still there? Help me please, Lord. Abomination is something of a pagan idolatry and a detestable practice. It refers to the presence and practice of idolatry and it caused the temple. So in 165 BC, this particular guy took the temple and he put a pig on it on the temple in the Holy of Holies and he spread the pig's juices everywhere, and many theologians will say that's an abomination that caused desolation. Okay, so you can go and read that up. Don't have time. Verse 19. Because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning. Now, he must be speaking progressively towards the end. When God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So he's saying this is going to be intense but it's building, okay? If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. So there's a, speaking about shortening of those days. Again, we don't know the whole of stuff about what he says we don't know. What happened in our history? What will happen in our future? We can expect greater catastrophic events in the future. By the way, Russia has... 6,000 nuclear warheads. And we've got one brother sitting there with his finger that's very itchy. Uh, 
There are, there are, Russia's got 6,000 nuclear warheads. The whole world has 12,000 nuclear warheads. America's only got 4,000 nuclear warheads. And, uh, and our brother Vladimir Putin is very agitated. The world could shake. We know this, that even though we're wanting um, sort of global, what's the word I'm looking for? When everything's global? Globalization. Everyone's at peace. Everyone's going to be happy. All the economy's good. No food insecurity. Ooh, suddenly things are shaking. COVID, phew, we got through that. Now we've got to get through the war. Expect inflation, brothers and sisters, by the way. Inflation could come. Fuel could go up. There is a question of, of the breadbasket. Ukraine was a bit of a food thing. Could be our prices go up. Be wise at this time, amen? Don't look around, look up. Amen? Verse 21, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. So important this. Or look, there he is. Do not believe it. I looked up right now, Google, the, 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 the 10 people who've called themselves Jesus Christ in, this, in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. 10 of them appeared. They said, I'm Jesus Christ. You think you? <laughs> no, you know, surely not. People follow them. People call them Messiah. Right now, that's happening. The interesting thing is, don't believe it. Why? For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible, he says. Brothers and sisters, very few in this church to go and listen to a guy or to go to something, I'm thinking, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go to somebody or even a group of people because how does the, how, if that was God moving, you have to get there, you have to get there because God is moving there. Oh, he's abandoned Africa because most of us in Africa cannot get there. So we're going to think, well, bad luck for Africa because you've got to get to Nepal or I don't know where God is moving or Iceland. Don't believe it. Find out who Jesus is. The moment somebody says, because you know what, guys, when Jesus appears, no one will have to say to you, um, yes, Jesus. Everyone will think, there's Jesus. No one will have to tell you there is Jesus because he will come in power, amen? Do not believe it. If somebody says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is. Isn't that amazing? That's why I cannot ask you to be a little bit suspicious? Can I ask you to be a little bit discerning? Can I ask you to be, oh, really? So even these ministries that are popping up, just find out, are they preaching the Christ or are they preaching end times? Are they preaching things that are like, hmm, it's a distraction. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. I've warned you beforehand. Be on your guard. Don't be naive. Don't be slack. As I've said here in my notes, we should be the most discerning, the most aware, the most vigilant, the least gullible people on the face of the earth. Why? Because 1 John 4, 1 says this. 1 John 4, 1. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have come. So we're a people that are always saying, mm, really? Okay, no, fine. I'm not judging, but I'm just saying, test the spirits. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened. Okay, here comes the final apocalypse to me. But in those days, following that distress, 
and you could say distresses. I don't want to add to scriptures. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. There will be cosmic disorders. When you see there, there are, when you see cosmic disorders, when you see wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, tsunamis, chill. But when you see cosmic disturbance, when you see stars falling, when you see the sun not giving its light, the, 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 the moon not shining anymore, then you start looking up and say, okay, Jesus, is this the time? At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds. Phew, praise God. Men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This is the second coming. The clouds, the heavens become, so, sorry, so, so, so there's great power, there's great glory, there's a display of heavenly glory. This is the advent, the second return of Jesus. This is called the parousia. This is where the false prophets, messiahs, many messiahs, and deceivers, they all get exposed because suddenly you think, okay, this is the one that we've laid down our lives for. This is the one we are following. This is Jesus' visible, visible body returning to earth as the glorified son of God. His triumphal return will bring an end to the veiled nature of God's kingdom. Quite a text, isn't it? That's why, guys, in the meantime, I sat under apocalyptic teaching for the first five years of when I got saved. In our house, St. Thomas Road, where I'd come home from university and school, there'd be charts across our dining room and this beautiful man, and I, and I loved him, and I, but all he spoke about was the end time. He had charts, he had history, but he, that's all he did. And I remember one guy got up one day and said, listen, can we put that away and get in with a mission? And I thought, huh, what if you're wrong, sir? I'm not wrong. I sat under this stuff. In the meantime, while we wait for the glorious appearing of Jesus, we loving each other, we going to life group, amen. We're making coffee. We're giving. We've we've raised. I think fifty thousand rand for Ukraine. Not many of us gave. Actually, some guys gave a lot. We 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 want to empty our pockets for Ukraine because if we were Ukraine, if we got smashed in Durban, we're saying you won't believe it. Some. Uzbekistan sent us some money, sent us some diapers, sent us some food, amen? We spoke to Wayne Neuper. He's got 100 Wayne Neuper who showed you he's a guy from South Africa, planted a church in Dresden. We've been there. He's got 100 Ukrainians in his church with more coming. People just opening their beds, I mean feeding them. They're getting an allowance from the government. How cool is that? Get on with the mission. Don't worry about Jesus coming back. Keep God. He's coming back anytime. Come on, Nick, keep going. When he will send his angels and gather the elect from the four winds of the earth, from the ends of the earth uh, to the ends of the heavens. Okay, so he's going to gather all. When he comes, he will gather everybody, those stuck in remote parts. None of the elect will be left out. Who are the elect? The elect are those Jews and Gentiles. I'm a Gentile, maybe some Jews here. Those are that are redeemed in Jesus. If you're not redeemed in Jesus, that's why you've got to get yourself into Christ. I didn't want to get myself into Christ. I didn't want to. I just thought, just, hey, don't hassle me, bro. I've got stuff to do. I'm, I want to go and joy. I want to live life. People say, you must be born again. I'm thinking, but I eventually gave my life to Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus? Because if you're not, you're not part of the election and he won't gather you. Oh, well, a good God sent me to hell. He's doing everything in his power that you don't be separate from him. So he sends his son. 
We say, Lord, like, you know, like, why are you so harsh? Harsh, I sent my son to die for you, Nick. And you're like wanting to live a small little life in Durban. I want to put you on, the, on, on, the, on a world state, on a world map with the gospel. Come on, man. No, Jesus is not good enough. Like, I want my own little salvation. I want to find my own way. There is no way you've got to come through Jesus. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. He's bringing this thing to land. As soon as its twigs get tender, he now changes it from apocalypse back to the fig tree that he's just cursed. As soon as its, as its twigs get tender, because in the winter they would be harsh, because it was a harsh climate, and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away. The generation that experiences the softening and the leafing of the fig tree, whatever that means, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. What, when will it happen? What are the signs? He keeps on answering. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We believe the opposite. We believe every morning we get up, the sun's there, the moon's there, the stars are there, the planets are there, everything's there. He says, heaven and earth pass away, but my word. So what I'm saying is stronger than the assurance that every single day, this cosmos that had been here for 50 million or 60 billion years, I don't know, my word will never pass away, even though all these things may pass away. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, are you sure? Are you sure of your words? Remember Eve, with the serpent deceived her? No, did God really say? We love to question the word. Can't I have sex before I'm married? No, you can't. It's possible not to. We, all, we were all as red-blooded as you were, sir, ma'am, I don't know. And we all knew that when you got saved, you didn't have sex before you were married. If you're not married, you can't have sex. Now let me say to you in case you're not sure. Is it a battle? 100%. I went on holidays with my girlfriends. Very unhelpful. But I knew this, that I was so radically saved that that was out of bounds. The most we could do was kiss. Oh, that's old style. No, 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 it isn't. It's in the Bible, amen? His word will never pass away. So I need to hear that. A parent saying, it's fine if my kids um, sleep together, live together before they're married. Not according to scripture. I'm just loving you. Is that okay? Somebody give me an amen. It's hard work. It, I know it's late. But, 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 but help me. I'm, I'm drifting. I'm at sea. You could be drifting this morning. Divorce. God doesn't want divorce. He wants you to work it out with your spouse. Uh, tired of this auntie now, bro? You don't understand? That husband of mine, I can't bear him. I can't bear his sight. I can't bear his smell. God says, I hate divorce. Yeah, but you know, you don't know. Uh, we can work it out. We can, we can love you through it. We can, we can, it's, it's possible to say no. It's possible to stop. It's possible by the help of the Holy Spirit. No one knows the hour, about the hour, or the, the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven. Disciples, you four big hitters. No one knows, not even the angels, nor the son, but only the father. That's an incredible statement. I'm running out of time. I can't, I've got a whole lot of, Jesus yields. Jesus humbles himself. Jesus says, not even I know the hour. You think, well, Jesus is all-knowing. Yeah, but if G Jesus even surrenders his life to death, how can God die? How can God, Jesus keeps on surrendering. He says, I'm not going to, I don't even know. Not even the angels, but my Father in heaven. Disciples, watch. 
Just watch. There's going to be stuff. There's going to be action. There's going to be bombs. There's going to be all sorts of things. There's going to be famines, earthquakes, marriage problems, sex problems. There's going to be stuff, financial problems, um, leadership problems. Hold your head. Don't divert from my word. Amen? Bring it to land. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. This is the church. Each with his assigned task. Everyone has an assigned task. Everybody has an assigned task. Sure, if you're joining a church, you need some time to get familiar, but, but we have an assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. He's still answering this question. When it, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, there are four times he speaks about here, or at dawn, the four Greek times. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. One house, many tasks. He says, I'm leaving this house. There are many tasks, all responsible for something. Lots of work to do in the house. Food, children, maintenance, hospitality, rest, security, bin duty, trash, clean the toilets, cutting the grass, getting rid of the roaches. We've got a roach problem. Don't know where they came from. I'm just giving you some inside information. The doorkeeper, he's got special mention. He has to control access. The elders and the deacons of this church got to control access to this church. What doctrine is that? Who's, what's happening? Control access, okay? Keep watch. Who is the doorkeeper? You, sir, are the doorkeeper of your family. You keep your family. The owner of the business, it's your business. You're the doorkeeper. The principal of the school, you, you watch that school. The president of the nation, he said, I don't want to find you sleeping. <laughs> Negligent, don't abdicate. I'm going to give it over to my wife. I'm like, I'm, my wife must decide. I don't know, she would do what my wife wants. Find biblical order. Many husbands are saying, well, I'm just going to chill, bro. Watch TV, chill. My wife, she, she decides. She decides. Oh, Lord, what's your order? How do I do this? How do I take responsibility? I'm going, to, I'm going to rise up by the spirit of the living God. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to be like Jesus is to the church. I'm going to be like that to my wife. And then he says, what I say to you, I say to everyone, W-A-T-C-H, watch. Watch, that's what he's saying. Just, just watch. <laughs> Never stop expecting me to come. You may experience radical things. Brothers and sisters, we, may, we don't know what we're going through. We may go through more. We may go through a time of peace. We don't know what 2100 is going to bring. We don't know where the sexual revolution is going. It's hectic. It's hectic, let me tell you. We don't know what, what the desolation is, but we've got to watch. Let's, let's call it out. Lovingly, brothers and sisters, make a stand. Make a stand lovingly. Don't, don't be a Pharisee. Just condemn Explain to people why Jesus is the only way. Explain to your kids why sex before marriage is not good. If, you, if you're there, please, I say to you in Jesus' name, stop. If you hear this, just stop that. Correct course. Thank God, I'm sorry. And you know what? He forgives you. A young person, if you've rebelled against your parents and your parents have instructed you and you say, like, ah, you know, I'm going to do what I want. Don't do that. And do that. You walk, walk outside of God's blessing. God's put you under your mom and dad. 
and your mom and dad love you and look after you. When they speak to you, be a biblical, be, be obedient to your parents. Amen? Can I have an amen from somebody? Let's stand. Do you still love me? I get a big love from that brother there. Okay, can I just pray? Can I pray? What are you playing, Marky? Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with me as I did my best to preach through this text. You know, Jesus didn't push the sinner away. He said, come, come follow me. Jesus didn't, but, it, but when he took you on a journey, man, it was an exhilarating journey. It wasn't a soft journey. It was a passionate journey. It was full, man. It was radical. At times where the Spirit will love you, at times He'll convict you, at times you'll feel, Lord, I'm useless, God. Other times you'll just feel His grace and His peace. I don't know if the Lord's coming back in the next 50 years. He might. could come back tomorrow. I know that. And we should live as if He comes back tomorrow. We should be watching, saying, Lord, I'm watching you. That's how we're Christ-centered. We're not an end times people. We're a Christ people. Amen. And then we can live this life. Bless us, Lord, I pray. Brood over us. Deliver us, Lord, I pray. We are a fragile people, Lord. Suspicious at times. Unsure. Brood over us. Can I ask, can I ask the husbands and wives in this church to hold hands? picture of Jesus and the church the bride, the wife being the church, husband representing Jesus, the father unifying it all make a stand, we hold each other's hands, husband and wife as a sign Lord of unity as a sign of your hand upon us heal us Lord heal me, make me into a better husband take our place Lord we're at the door we're watching Lord we're not distracted by false messiahs we're not distracted by another nation a better place a greener pasture we we focused on you what do you want of us Lord and the word is I want you to watch keep watch don't take your eyes off me watch my word I will be faithful to fulfill it help us Lord this is a cry for help this is not a a bashing or a strong this is a cry that you would help us Lord in our sexuality in our government Lord in our theology in our bodies Lord I could pray for ages God but I ask you as we close as we sing this final hymn to fall upon us 